Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Glenn, alongside my amazing co-host and sidekick, Mr. Kevin Langley. The gruesome twosome is back. For the first time in, like, what, two weeks? I got I had to put up with Jack's ass earlier this week. I, Matt, listen, best shot of Jack O'Hara filling in for the last two shows we've done. And Savannah will be back next week. And by the way, Kevin, she actually has a segment. She said she's got some ideas she wants to run by us. I'm a little excited. So, I'm pumped. Oh, yeah, I know. I had, a, I had an idea for her on the way home, but I'm like, let's see what she has first because basically – it's her segment, and you ended up, like, inventing your segment on the fly, and it's hilarious. So, but let's get started here. Before First we get off, going, I would like to apologize for to our viewers and you, Jared, for being out. For those who don't know, I bought a new truck. Uh, after a day, it died, so I had to get a different truck, so I was dealing with that last week. And then I started a new job this week, so I've been very busy. So I would like to apologize. That should be over. I should be back to your regularly scheduled programming with me and i know everyone missed me especially oh, Jared. we all missed your we i, I missed you the most buddy but we all missed your snarkiness so all right continue i just want to get all that right. out of the way yeah sorry i had a kernel caught in my teeth um basic all right so we're starting off right now thursday night football rams seahawks now I was in the coward today, and they were talking. He was talking about, oh, it's, we can't figure out Russell Wilson. And he's right. You can do QB contains, you can do QB spy, whatever you want. But basically, he's a magician. He's made DK Metcalf, Tower Lock, and Doug Baldwin all household, like all viable receivers. And I love every minute of it. But here is the weirdest thing to me. I think he even did the same with Paul Richardson, too. It got him a job in Washington. And Jermaine Curse was even good that Super Bowl year. I'm trying to figure out, though, is I know what the Seahawks are. They're going to be a 10-6, 11-5 team. DK Metcalf will probably make a couple of Pro Bowls because of Russell Wilson. His career will take off. That's why I was hype as hell when he got drafted because I was high on Metcalf even though nobody else was. I was like, oh, Jared, Metcalf's going to drop. And I'm like, yeah, pro- maybe, but I think he's still one of the best receiving talents in that draft. I still am pissed Philadelphia took our Sega White side over Metcalf because Metcalf wouldn't have dropped that game-winning touchdown. Uh, I'm talking to you, Howie Roseman. But also, Metcalf, like, studying under Deshaun Jackson would have been incredible. Oh, my. Or, or even under Alshon Jeffrey, dude. Well, I was talking the speed down the side. Oh, yeah, and also the physicality of Jeffrey. It's, like, the perfect combination for DK. Like, because Jeffrey would teach him how to, like, finesse on the – because Jeffrey's six is the same, like, height and size as Metcalf. He could teach Metcalf how to, like, in and out on, like, routes. Like, because like, for six foot three, Jeffrey is the most nimble route runner I've ever seen at that size. The dude just can bank a hard a, a hard turn on a route and just makes the corners look stupid. And it's, it's hilarious. So, I love DK Metcalf, so I was very hyped to see him get involved with the Seahawks. I got a point to make about the Rams, though. Right now, they are the lowest-ranked offensive line by pro football focus. Lower than the Bengals. 
The Bengals, who are costing me games because of Joe Mixon and John Ross. The Bengals, who have the beige water pistol or the red Nerf gun, Andy Dalton. Basically, I'm looking at the Rams, and also they, they're losing the same ways they were losing last year, Kevin. When you throw the ball over the top, they lose. Philadelphia did it, and that's how they beat them in, in L.A. with Nick Foles the week after Carson Wentz went down. They did they did it again the week they did it they lost to the Patriots because that seam route to Gronk they threw it down the field for some reason it's always been their their problem with their defense the only team that couldn't beat the team that didn't beat them the Browns basically could not throw the ball down the field because I, I don't even know how to describe it. basically the three teams they lost the three teams they beat let's go down the pipe. Uh, Carolina, Cam Newton's injured, and they can't throw the ball down the field. Then you go to um, – oh, my God, my brain's farting right now. You go to New Orleans, Drew Brees is injured. And then you finally finish off with um, Cleveland, who has no blocking in the offensive line. Donald and Dante Fowler are running right at Baker Mayfield at the snap. Was Drew Brees injured that game? Mm-hmm. He got injured during that game. Oh, okay. So – my point is, we've learned if you have a decent offensive line and you're willing to, like, duke it out with Aaron Donald, you can beat the Rams. They're not unbeatable. And everyone's talking about Sean McVay being this genius boy wonder head coach. That genius boy wonder froze like a deer in the headlights when he took on Belichick. While my boy Dougie P took him the distance and won. And so did Tom Coughlin twice, by the way. Uh, that's why I've never really bought in these, like, sage young head coaches. I've never been a fan of theirs because I'm like, yeah, it's great. They win a couple of games. But in co- in college, it works. In college, I'm all for coaches being under the age of 30. I feel like the energy helps with recruiting, with on-the-sideline stuff. It helps in high school. But old coaches work. In the, in the NFL, the age helps because you don't get intimidated by – playing the greatest head coach of all time or by playing the greatest quarterback of all time or the fact that you lose to a backup twice and Doug Peterson. I, to me, Sean McVay is like the media fell in love with him way too fast. I think the Rams are going to be a solid team for the next like 10 years, but that defense is old. They can't cover the ball deep. Their offensive line is awful. And Todd Gurley's knees are a ticking time bomb. I got Seattle winning. I got Seattle winning tonight because Seattle does three things right. They run the football, they rush the passer, and they have Russell Wilson. Do I? Oh, and they throw the ball deep a lot between Lockett and Metcalf. So I got I got the Seahawks winning by at least a touchdown tonight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm also not sold on Goff as a starting quarterback. Oh, I'm not either. I know in the past I've accused. Russell Wilson of being the next Mark Sanchez, but I'm off that. I I realized I realized the error of my yeah, ways. Yeah, I was never a fan of that take of yours. I think it's gonna be Jared Goff though. Oh, see, mine's Mitch Trubisky. Uh, no, because Jared Goff has had success. Well, Trubisky made it to the playoffs. So did Goff. But, but Goff actually has arm talent. I just think he's limited. But here's why. So I saw something on Twitter the other day. It was. The Seahawks in 2018 rushed 1.45 times for each passing attempt. This mm-hmm. year, they're doing it 1.46 times. They're consistently doing it. 2017 Rams, they rushed it 0.88 times per pass attempt. Last year, when they made the Super Bowl, 0.81 attempts per pass. This year so far, 0.56 rush attempts per pass attempt. When you look at the Jets, when they were successful, they were running the ball then they relied too much on Mark Sanchez, and that's when it went downhill for both the Jets and Mark Sanchez. Because the defense took the rushing. They they, they fell behind. And they couldn't manage the game anymore. Yeah, and I think the Saints will – or not the Saints, the Seahawks, my bad – will stop the rush enough, and you'll see Jared Goff will struggle like he did against Tampa throwing three picks, even though he threw for 517 yards. But three picks – he is currently throwing – the same number of picks? No. Yeah, the same number of picks as he has touchdowns so far this year. Jared Goff, will this team will live 
or die by Jared Goff as long as Todd Gurley's injured, and they're going to die way more than they live. They are screwed this year if Gurley's knees are not better by week eight. I think they're going eight and eight this year. I think they're going to struggle a lot. Well, they're going to lose tonight. They're at they're at Seattle one, two. Well, that's an automatic minus three, plus three point. Like, even like even the Super Bowl champion from 2017, Philadelphia, lost there. Your Patriots always struggle in Seattle. Teams don't play well in that stadium, especially when it's rainy. It's nasty. And one acquisition that I love that these the Seahawks made was getting my boy Jadavian Clowney. Now everyone's like, oh, Jared, he takes plays off. Oh, he's uh. Defensive ends don't have to go 2,000 miles an hour every play. But what Jadavion Clowney does best is he's a ferocious animal two out of four plays. And that's all you need, especially with a, a, a very young, athletic, fast defense. I love that secondary. And they have the, the brothers. What are their names? Um, one of them has the nub for The Griffins, Shaquem and Shaquille. Yeah, Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin. Shaquem probably – the fastest the linebacker I've ever seen in my life. Then you have Shaquille and my boy from my Madden franchise, Trey Flowers, who are very good corners. <clears throat> it's Then you have the best middle linebacker we've seen since Patrick Willis. I think he's better than Luke Keekley, um, Bobby Wagner. Basically, because you, you can take Luke Keekley out of the game because he gets overly aggressive. Bobby Wagner doesn't, get, doesn't bite on those cutbacks. <clears throat> Yeah, Bobby Wagner is superior, the superior linebacker in this league. I think Pittsburgh's Devin Bush and uh, Devin White down in Tampa are going to be up there with them. But I love watching Bobby Wagner play, and I still and they still have KJ right. They still have a couple guys from that old from that old squad. And <clears throat> I look at the Seattle team. I think they they kind of remind me of what Seattle was. The year, the year they beat Brady the first time when they, the, the, it was 2012, I think it was. No, 2012. The year Seattle, yeah, the year Seattle won. So no, the year before Seattle won. The year they were like, they were good and relevant, but they weren't good enough to like make it to the title game. They have a good, young, athletic, unproven defense. They have burners. They have burners on the outside with Russell Wilson. But that's the difference. Russell Wilson's mature, and these receivers, I would definitely take Lockett and Metcalf over Baldwin and Jermaine Curse. They're, they have a – Chris Carson is not as good as Marshawn Lynch, but he's a good enough to – he's a supplement enough to deal with the fact their passing game is better. <clears throat> so I think, I I think he'll have a 1,000-yard season. Oh, he will again. Yeah, Chris Carson is a good running back. He's good. Easily. Of course. He is what Seattle – in Seattle – like, certain teams have always needed a certain type of back. Seattle's always needed a power workhorse. Marshall Lynch was just more explosive, but before him was Sean Alexander. In Philadelphia, you've always needed, like, an explosive speed back. Power backs only work as, like, a changeup. So, like, Philadelphia had Westbrook, then McCoy, and now hopefully Miles Sanders. You go down to Tennessee. Tennessee's always needed a big playback. Derek, Derek Henry, even though he's a monster – fills that void that, you know, Chris Johnson left like six years ago. New England always needs receiving backs with a power back to sprinkle it in. It's Sony Michelle, even though he's explosive, is a power back for the most part, or at least he's a workhorse. So sir, it's it's with Seattle, Chris Carson kind of fits that mold, and I love this going forward for – the Seahawks. I think they're going to win that division <clears throat> at 11-5. And I really think that they're not going to be like a threat because they're going to get one home playoff game and they're going to go on the road and get smoked by somebody, whether it's uh, Philly-Dallas or um, – actually, no, they might be the two seed knowing they're a locker. But um, – or maybe like I still think Detroit's a dangerous team too. But nobody, everyone, keeps, everyone keeps giving me crap for Detroit. I'm like – I'm not seeing what is the problem here. <clears throat> they uh, took... I can give you the problem. If you say Matthew Stafford, I'm going to punch you. It's Detroit. Oh, my. Yeah, that's not even a Detroit can't have nice things. Okay, that's not a real point, though. Outside of the Black – or not the Blackers, the Red Wings. And Pistons. 
the, the Pistons haven't been good for a while. All right. Well, all I'm telling 50. you is this. That roster is good, and they took the supposedly unbeatable Chiefs, and basically it took a Mahomes miracle comeback to get that win. They took Philadelphia the distance and won. Philadelphia's going to be a Super Bowl contender. They proved against Green Bay. <clears throat> they play they, they play a lot. When they play Green Bay, they play Chicago, and they play Dallas, I guarantee two out of three games are going to win that. Because this Green Bay, this because this is a team that Matt Patricia built. He's not using Jim Caldwell's scraps. And I think that's what makes this team deadly is because now Matt Patricia, as much as you can, you know, his defense got destroyed by Philadelphia. He's still, but he might be the first Belichick disciple to actually have some success. I'm not saying he's going to win a Super Bowl, no, but they're going to be a good team because they just, they're hard to beat. They make games ugly and they make you do things you don't want to do. <clears throat> so, uh, the NFC is going to be interesting. I got Seattle. Kev, you got Seattle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got Seattle by at least seven to 10 points. I'm going to go 31 21. I'll go. It'll be a good game, but I think I think it's gonna be like it's gonna be a tight game, and then like Seattle's gonna get a turnover, and then Wilson's gonna do some magic and chuck one downfield to Lockett or Metcalf, and it's gonna blow the game open. <clears throat> I'll go 24-17. Okay, fair enough, solid score. Still on the gridiron, we gotta talk Stephon Diggs right now, and Kevin Patriots are somehow involved in this story. Um. Diggs, I mean, they have to replace the franchise cornerstone that was Antonio Brown. What way to replace him? That guy who's basically the polar opposite of Antonio Brown when it comes to personality. Diggs barely talks. He just runs good routes and he catches touchdowns. <clears throat> Diggs was missing for 48 hours from Vikings practice. Diggs was also very critical of quarterback Kirk Cousins. I would be too. Are you kidding me? Your their offense is basically dead in the water if Kirk steps in their center. Um, and he followed a bunch of Patriots players on Instagram. I don't know what to tell you. The Vikings have already said they're not trading him, and so did Mike Zimmer. So, I, I mean, this is a bigger issue more about Kirk Cousins. That, but the Vikings need to fix this now. I, I don't know who their backup is, but clearly the Cousins experiment has failed. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. Like the Redskins, maybe the Redskins' smartest thing ever was letting him walk. E- yes, I think he would have done better on the. If he was still on the Redskins, I think he'd be doing better than he is on the Vikings because their offense is more built towards what he can do. True, but that team was the Redskins were going nowhere fast. Letting him walk just let them get their new their quarterback of the future. And they took Dwayne Haskins, so they still have to find one. But it let exactly. them start looking for one. Yeah. But also, Sean Mannion or Mannion, Mannion is their backup. Hey, That's you know the problem is with that like, that roster is like they were so like they should have definitely gone and gotten a backup quarterback, even just like an old experienced guy because Cousins is bad. He's so bad. It, it, it's awful because they have the most talent, one of the most talented running backs in the league. They have arguably the best receiving core in the league, if not top three. It's oh cold. yeah, yeah, and it's the, and their their defense is loaded, but their offense basically has a starter that doesn't work if it was an engine. Or like the, I don't even know I don't know car engines that well. I'm, not, I'm trying to learn how to be a car guy, but I'm not a car guy yet. But basically, nothing can go without cousins. I guess their fuel pump's busted. Whatever. <clears throat> but basically, the Vikings are dead in the water until they get rid of Cousins. And I don't know if management is going to do that yet. I think Mike Zimmer wants to do it today. But I don't know. It's just it's a, it's a bad situation. I see where Diggs is coming from, but he has real like I, I just it's it's a weird situation. I think it's coming to the point where the Vikings might just want to eat his contract. Trade them, or no one will take that contract at this point. If well, you're going to, if they pay like forty percent, like forty percent, some team will take them. I um, I think they they should trade, look into trading Diggs, 
but only look at teams that have a backup that could start. Or a young backup. Like, call up Carolina. Be like, hey, we'll give you digs for Greer and two first-rounders. Or, or call up Philly for, for um, Sudfeld in a first-rounder. Or um, Denver. I forget his name. Who'd they just draft? Uh, Drew Locke. Call up Denver and be like, hey, look, do you want Drew Locke for Stefan Diggs? Like Drew Locke in a second or a third for Diggs? I, I, it's, it, it's good in theory, but I know, like, listen, the Vikings aren't stupid. They're not like the Cleveland Browns. They won't trade Diggs to, 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 Phil, uh, to New England. No, because they can't get anything out of it. Because, look, if they keep this roster as is, they can't win anything this year. They won't win anything this year. They can't get anything from New England unless they really liked what they saw from Stidham in the preseason, but I don't think anyone outside of New England is that high on Stidham. True. So I unless they can weasel Stidham in two first-round picks out of New England and a replacement wide receiver, I, I don't think they'll trade him there, but... I think if they can get a good young quarterback or a decent young quarterback who might be good, they should pull the trigger on it and then bench Cousins or something or try to find a team that will take them. Oh, you know, it, it all comes down to if they can find a market. So, I don't know. I just, this situation is weird. I, I, I don't think – I don't see him getting traded right away because we saw what happened with the Jalen Ramsey thing. There was so much to think about it, and their owner is just, like, in denial about getting rid of him. <clears throat> Uh, switching to baseball now, the playoffs, of course, started earlier this week, but Kevin, we're saying goodbye to a legend and, and well, I love watching him. What'd you say, Kev? Well, Seattle is saying goodbye to a legend. Seattle's saying goodbye to a legend. Um, King Felix's contract will be up in, in Seattle at the end of the season as when the postseason ends and he has been there forever. And that's it. And, and you know what? I really hope he goes to a team, even if he's like a number four starter and just gets to the playoffs. Just once. He's such a good pitcher. He's been so, so good for so long. And it would be great if he just could get in and just experience playoff baseball. I'm hoping – because what do you think? He's got like two, or th- two or three more years left in the tank? I think he has no years left in the tank. You think he's done? I think he should be done. I don't know. I think like I think like a team who like needs a f- a fifth starter should grab him. Do you know the last time that he won more games than he lost? Do you realize who he plays for? Um, do you want to go over his ERA the years that he the last three years? True. Four three six five 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 six four zero, and in his last start for Seattle ever, he went five and a third with three earned runs, four walks, and only three strikeouts. King oh, okay. Felix is done. All right. You know what? If he is done, we got to say goodbye to a legend. The guy's one of the best pitchers of our generation. The problem is he just got stuck on a shit team for his entire career. We're, we're saying goodbye to a good pitcher. He was one of the best pitchers of our generation. You cannot deny that. I can and I will. We'll agree to disagree because I just every time I watched Felix play, I was like, holy mother, this guy's good. He had a good stretch from 2009 to 2015, a good six years. He was still like a good, solid B-level, like second-tier pitcher until about two years ago. Yeah, but I – he's not a Hall of Famer. Zero percent chance he makes to the Hall of Fame. I've seen guys who are worse than him make it. In 30 years, maybe if he hasn't gotten not if he's still getting enough votes, he might get in. But six-time All-Star, one Cy Young. Like you also got, you also got to play. I feel like his numbers would be better if he was somewhere else. Because they ran, I, they rode, they rode him until there was no more tires on that tread. His win numbers <clears throat> might be better, but I don't think. I don't think that his ERA would be better the last couple of years. Never pitched sub two ERA. He's really not. A, never really led the league in strikeouts. I don't see. Yes, he's a very good pitcher, and I'm not knocking his legacy. I'm not knocking who he is a person. 
He's way better than I ever was at anything in my life. That's but, not saying much. Yeah, but still, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he will be remembered as one of the greats. He's not one of the greatest pitchers of our generation. He might be top 10. But considering our generation, like, that's not really saying much. We're stretching all the way back to the days of, like, Roy Holiday and, like, all that. And we even got to see the end of, like, Randy Johnson's career and the end of Roger Clemens. So if you want to go his ascension, which his first year he really arrived, all-star, Cy Young Award, second place in 2008. See, I remember him as early as 2006. 2009. 2009, that was his first all-star appearance, and that was his first time using the Cy Young ballot. He was second. I wouldn't put him top five in that time frame. From 2009 to now, not top five. And if you can't say that about a pitcher, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But also, that was an era where every team had like two aces, though. There were a lot of good pitchers at that point. We're now in the home run ball era, but like, you talk about like 2000, like even early, late, like once the steroid age ended to about like four years ago when the ball started just blasting out of the ballpark, the home run strikeout age, every team had two or three aces. So we'll agree to disagree on this one. Right. <clears throat> Next up on what's on tap, we have Mickey Calloway of the. Which is really bad. I didn't even know he was the, he was the manager for the Mets this entire season. But basically, he's been fired. The Mets finished just outside the wild card. My Diamondbacks won game below them. But basically, not a bad season for a team that really had not much talent. So I, I, I'm not like the biggest fan of this. I, I think honestly, the Mets did the best of what they could. They had Pete Alonso, who was probably one of the best young hitters in baseball we've seen in a while. Um. They had, a good, they had a good rotation, but they, they just, there was just not a lot of talent on that team. I went and saw the Mets play live, and I was just like, this team isn't that good at all. And I'm just kind of just sitting there like, all right, well, somehow they're winning games, so good for them. But I, it's just I, – I think it's just not a great decision by the Mets because, what, are they going to hire another guy who just can't coach that roster? It's not the coach at this point. So, I don't know. What do you got? I think the timing of it's interesting because 2018, he went 77 and 85. This year, he went 86 and 76. And yeah, like the team's not great. Is Mickey Calloway the manager they want, who they think they can win with? Maybe not. But give the guy a chance with a decent roster, which the front office has not given a manager since 2016 when they made it to the World Series. 15. 15? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they, no, it was 2016. No, it was 15. 15, sorry. 16 was Cubs, Indians. Right, my bad. Yeah, like, put a decent team together and let him see if he can win with them. Don't just fire him to pick up some other schmuck off the streets and see if he can do something with this roster. I'll I'll ban it to the Mets. (laughs) Pay me 300 grand a year. I'm good. I'll do, do it. it for se- I'll do it for 75. <laughs> nah, what? I want th- I, the headaches in the New York media. I want 300 grand. Yeah, that's true. But like, who else would they hire? Give me who is the best manager of baseball history. I would probably. Oof. I don't know. Who, whoever, whatever you think it is, whoever you think it might be. Maybe like Sparky Anderson, maybe. Be up there? I don't know. Um, <sighs> it doesn't really matter. My exactly. point is, they couldn't win with this team. I, it's ridiculous. I don't care if you give me. I'm even looking at lists. Connie Mack, five-time World Series champion, couldn't win with this team. Uh, Terry Francona. Three-time World Series champion, two-time World Series champion, reverse the curse, couldn't win with this team. Joe Torre couldn't win with this team. I, I know, I see your point. I, I it's that's you. We're both making the same point here. It's just like it, the Mets. I think are going to be in a cycle of losing until they understand. Like it's not the manager, it's the roster and the GM. 
The manager is the most ceremonial position in that sport because basically the manager makes about five calls a game. The rest is the play on the field and who they get in the offseason. Baseball is weird like that where the head coach only makes certain decisions. Like occasionally in the playoffs they make a good call about a double steal or putting this pitcher in instead of this pitcher. But it really all comes down to the guys on the field. The game's yep. too slow. It's not like football where like, you know, if Philly doesn't call Philly special, New England probably wins that game. Or, you know, if um, Belichick decides, you know, not to run Gronk on a seam route instead tries to get cute with um, Philip Dorsett on a crossing route, um, the Rams win. It's it's That's how it is. Yeah, and baseball is trying to get the manager more involved with their new rules about challenging plays. But it doesn't matter. It's still. still a GM who runs the show, and that's the problem. And all and the league knows it. So it's it's it a suck. It's a bad situation. I hope he gets picked up by a good team as like a bench coach or something like that. At least he can see some kind of a a jump. <clears throat> all right. Two quick notes. Of course, if you guys missed it. The uh, I think the divisional round starts tonight, right? I believe so. Yeah, so we have the Rays beating the A's, and then we had the Brew Crew choking. The 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 Josh Hader memes all over Twitter yesterday were hilarious. Uh, they choked away a lead. I think it was what three one lead to the Cardinals. They're not Cardinals with Nationals. I believe so. Yeah, and then Scherzer got lit up like a Christmas tree in the first inning. So that was or in the early innings. So that's that was great to watch. But uh, yeah, so Nationals and Rays both advance. My picks don't change, though. I have either the Yankees or Astros out of the East, out of the AL, and out of the NL. It's who's going to get beat by those two teams. I Maybe maybe St. Louis, maybe L.A. But I don't know. L.A. seems to have a problem with choking in the playoffs. So I hope that trend continues. <clears throat> but, Kevin, it's time for a great time of, of, our, of our weekly shows. It's time to... Crack a six-pack. Let's rock and roll. Michigan at Iowa. No, Iowa at Michigan, sorry. Um, Michigan coming off getting absolutely smacked by Wisconsin two weeks prior. And to me, their image still hasn't recovered. Iowa, of course, this is that pesky team out west in the Big Ten that still kind of hangs around. I, I don't know what to make of this game. I really don't. Because I, I like Iowa, but I don't know if I like them enough where I pull the trigger on picking them. I picked Michigan against um, Wisconsin. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I regret that choice. Luckily, yeah, I, don't, Savannah yeah. were, I think me and Savannah were laughing hysterically at anybody who picked that during that podcast. I was hoping that Michigan could turn things around, but they can't, and I have no faith in Michigan anymore. They can't beat a ranked team. Jim Harbaugh should be fired. And Iowa, all the way. All right, so Iowa, by the way, their only notable win is Iowa State. So They're about to add another one with Michigan. I don't know. This is going to be a close game. I think – what's the what's the spread on this? Because I almost want to – it's – what is it? No, no, it's uh, Michigan minus three and a half. I'd take that. I think this is going to be a one one or two-point game or, like, even a field goal. This is going to be so close. I think Michigan – I think Iowa's going to get out and, and get out and start scoring right away. Michigan's offense, like, I, I don't know what happened. Like, they have good, talented receivers. Shea Patterson is supposed to be their great quarterback they were supposed to have this year, and they just look awful. Like, Army took them the distance. That's just, I keep reminding people of that. So, I have, I have Iowa – by a field goal. So yeah, give me Iowa and the points. I'm taking it all day. Take Iowa by seven. Ooh, I don't like it. Um, and for our other only other college football, there were a couple of good college games. Like we have we have Cal, Oregon. We have Miami, Virginia Tech, which I'm excited for. I have to miss half that game. I'm ticked. Michigan State, Ohio State. But our other college game we decided to choose today was two five and zero teams from the SEC. Kevin being the SEC expert here. Auburn, Florida, Kev. I'm going to let you roll off this one because I want to see what you're thinking here. You're going to hear people taking Auburn. They're you're going to they're going to say like Auburn, they're too good on the ground, they're too good on defense. They they got the hot new young quarterback in the streets and Bo Nix. 
I wouldn't be so sure. I have Florida winning this. I do too, actually. I think Florida 28-21. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but Auburn needs the ground game to get going to win. And what does Florida do? Stops the run. There you go. The only team to run for, I think it was more than 50 yards on them, was Miami, by the way. Yeah, Auburn, I looked at the stats earlier. Auburn has 250 yards on the ground per game. Florida's allowing 86.8 yards per game on the ground. The Bo Nix, if Auburn wants a chance to win this, and if they don't, they're not going to win the SEC. They got to cut Nix loose. They got to let him throw the ball. I don't think they're winning the West. I swear to God, it's going to be between your boys and um, LSU. LSU. Yeah. Basically, and that game is going to be a nut house. Like Kevin, I might, I might like drive up if, if, like you know, certain things are allowing that. But you know, we might have to link up to watch that game because I am like, you know, I'm a big LSU guy. With they're like my number two team every four besides you know my, in Miami. But I think that game is going to determine the whole SEC and the big picture of the national championship because I don't think Clemson's like as good as everyone thought they were. Told you. Um, you know what though? Let's say you're right and they need to let Bo Nix. Run wild, sling. right? You need to let him sling it. Yeah, that's not going to help. Oh, it's not. No, I seriously have Florida winning this game. It's going to be close, like, because both teams play ugly. They're, Felipe Franks was an awful quarterback. I feel horrible what happened to him, but the guy's kind of a prick. But basically, Florida wins ugly. In, <laughs> Dan Mullins, as much as I can't stand the guy, he's a good offensive coach. And he can make something out of nothing. He made Felipe Franks look semi-relevant for half that for half the games he's played in. So I have Florida winning 21-20. I'm thinking I'm think it's gonna be they're getting a last second touchdown on some like craziness. It's gonna be so close. Now watch Florida beats the barn doors off. Might laugh hysterically, but and I can't stand Florida being a Miami fan, but I just I, I respect them. They're a good team. That 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 defense is loaded with first round talent. So my my thing also is if, if you're going to start a true freshman quarterback, they need to be something special. Yeah. They need to be a kind of guy who has the confidence who will get sacked and shake it off and throw a dart down the field for a game winning touchdown. I don't see that with Bo Nix and he's going to get sacked a lot in this game with that Florida front seven. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that I love their quarterback play. I love I love Washington with Jacob Eason. I love Miami with uh, Jaron Williams. I even love Trevor Lawrence in, uh, you know, uh, Clemson, Tuatavailoa. I think I pronounced that correctly. Tuatavailoa. Close enough. Um, and I and I love uh, my boy over in uh, LSU whose name is killing me right now. Joe Burrows. Joe Burrows, that is it. I knew the it not Heisman finalist. Shh. And then, of course, Justin Fields up in, in uh, Ohio State. By the way, quick shout out to my boy Jaron Williams. He still doesn't have a turnover yet. I mean, a pick. That's impressive through four games as a true freshman. <clears throat> I mean, yes, his last two games have been against lesser competition, but he went up against Florida and North Carolina, two very solid teams, and didn't throw a pick. That's actually pretty impressive for I think this I, – I was – Kevin was on the show with me when this thing was announced, and he asked me, do you think Williams is a great quarterback? I said, I think this kid is going to make be special at Miami. And the best part is, Kev, he's he's got three more years of eligibility after this. Miami's going to be a bowl team this year, and they're going to be like they'll probably like take they'll probably win the coastal because I just don't see Pitt hanging on. They beat UCF, but then again, UCF is not what UCF used to be. And then I in two or three years, dude, I'm telling you, my hurt those hurt next year they get Zach McLeod back who can replace Quarterman, and that secondary gets a year older. They get all the transfers to play fully. They do lose K.J. Osborne, but I feel like he's the receiver that's going to get Williams better. They get Jeff Thomas. For, you know, I, I, I could go on for hours, but I just, you know, I'm telling you right now, Kev, put this in writing, Miami will win the ACC next year. <clears throat> I'm telling you, that team is just, that team is so much talent going forward. And with the transfer portal, they don't need recruits. They go out and get the guys. Like Bubba Bolden they got from USC. Basically, the kid was a four, five-star recruit, and they're like, yeah, you want to come play with us? Oh, down here in South Florida, instead of playing for USC, who kind of screwed you over on uh, NCAA sanctions. So, you know what? I'm excited, but I digress. We're getting back, we're getting off topic here. 
I got the Gators by one. <clears throat> Kev? Gators by seven. All right. Finally, NFL time. We're going to London, chaps. Raiders, Bears. <clears throat> now, I had a surprising take with this, and my coworker, who's a Bears fan, looked at me, and I said, just think about it. Um, I have the Raiders winning this game for three reasons. One, the Bears have no quarterback. It wouldn't matter if Trubisky or Chase Daniel played. I know Chase Daniel's a bad backup. When Philadelphia let him walk for pennies because they were like, we want Nick Foles and Nate Sudfeld. We don't want this guy on our roster when he was backing up Wentz back in 16. <clears throat> I also know that unless the Bears can like get the ball to Tyreek Hill, their offense is basically inept. They need to rely on turnovers from their defense. They can get the ball to who? Uh, Tariq Cohen. Sorry, I always get the two of them confused. They're both short and they're both fast. I was just very confused. And their names are similar. Um, <clears throat> at, least the first, at least the first names are. And the last thing I know is the Raiders have a good, decent offensive line. Um, and they figured out their offense because there was a problem. If the, in their first three games, they had an issue, Kevin, where – that you saw this. They always would score like 10, 17, 15 point, 14 points in the first quarter because that was all scripted. First three drives, usually most teams script them, and they fall apart. John Gruden has adjusted now where the team is now actually starting to throw the ball. They're, they're getting better late. And against the Colts, I think that was their first time they actually – yes, the Colts are going to be an average team, but it showed Oakland making progress because everyone said Oakland was going to be trash. I said Oakland's going eight and eight, seven and nine. They're not a bad team. They're not a good team. They're like it's that weird middle. Like they need another piece. Like Antonio Brown would have probably given them another win or two if he actually didn't lose his marbles. But because he's just so explosive and he just takes players away on that defense. But I actually like what Oakland's doing. I think they're going to win this game because they're going to be able to move the ball on Chicago. They're not going to be able to run the ball that well. Like Josh Jacobs is going to have a miserable day. But I think Carr is going to get at, go right after that secondary. And I think it's going to be like a 17-20 game, and Chicago's going to be driving down the field, and they're going to get a, and they're going to throw a pick or something like that. They're just not going to get that, or they're going to get a fourth, a three, a four and out. It's going to be something like that. So I, I, I don't know. I like, I really like the Raiders in this one. Uh, I'm going Bears. I think even with the quarterback play. In Chicago, the Raiders quarterback play is not that much better. I don't think Derek Carr is anything special. I think the Bears defense is too good. And also, I think we're forgetting that the Raiders just lost their starting middle linebacker for the entire year for being a cheap prick. Oh, Something yeah. that probably should have been done a long time ago. Oh, yeah. I had to go to, I had to, go to war with uh, a belly up employee about why he shouldn't have been compared to Derek Barnett's head. But that's not for today. <clears throat> and I I think middle linebacker, as dirty as Vontez Burfecht is, he still is a very serviceable middle linebacker. That's a big They, they do have depth at that position, though. That's the thing. I'm currently looking at their depth chart. It's not great. Because they, they cut all the guys who should be playing for them. Here is their middle linebacker depth chart now that Vontez Burfecht is suspended. You, you ready? Yeah. Do you have your pen and pencil ready, or your pencil and paper ready? There's nobody there. Justin Phillips. Jesus. They need to go call my boy uh, Brandon Marshall again. They cut him for no reason. They cut him in hard knocks. They need to go bring him back. And it's also not – it's not like they also have all like outside linebackers. They have Tahir Whitehead, Dakota Allen, Nicholas Morrow, and Kyle Wilbur on the outside. Yeah. Besides Tahir Whitehead, there's no really even decent linebackers. Whitehead's like a, like a B-minus linebacker. Besides that – yeah, no, they're bears. bears. I I still think I still think it doesn't matter who like if there was ever a game where they could afford to not have a middle linebacker, it's against the Bears because Chase Daniels awful and that team cannot move the football. They beat the they beat the Vikings because basically the Vikings are the one to beat the Bears. You cannot run the football. You have to throw it <clears throat> because their secondary is weaker than their front seven. Yes, Eddie Jackson is a good safety, but their corners are okay. And ha-ha Clinton Dix can get exposed, especially with a faster tight end. 
David Waller, very fast tight end. He's my boy. I love David Waller. But I really, really believe that the I just think the Raiders, this is like that win they're going to catch everyone off guard. And I, I, my team played in the London game last year. I watched it. It was kind of weird watching my team play at 930 in the morning. But I do kind of enjoy it because like I'm going to miss this one because I'm going to be playing football at a park. Unless I'm too hungover, but that's a possibility as well. Um, <clears throat> I, I just the, something about the Raiders in this game just make is getting me excited. I think the Raiders are going to be a sneaky team, and I think the Bears. This is where you're going to start to see them unravel a little bit. I think Trubisky, as much as I rip him, at least he's average. Dan's below average. So, <clears throat> Cowboys Packers. This is America's game of the week. Is on 425 of Fox. Um. A wise man once said, never pick against a, t- a good team that got embarrassed on a primetime game. And I'm going to follow that wise advice because I think Green Bay is going to come in there. And don't get me wrong, Dallas is very good. And I was listening to a couple shows today because, you know, I, I have a lot of time because, you know, I have my earbuds in mostly. So I get to listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of like, so I, I get a, a very rounded view <clears throat> of the NFL and sports. But I was listening to this one report today. If you ever watch a Cowboys game over the last thing, it was like, whatever, it was 35 of Dak starts. Whatever, going back to 2017, the year he had no Zeke and Philly basically beat the snot out of him. Philadelphia, um, Dak Prescott, when they're in shotgun, they throw, I think it was over 70% of the time, maybe more, maybe less. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on the numbers. And when they're under center, they rarely pass the ball at all. And that's really predictable. And against top 10 defenses, he struggles ridiculously. It's only against, like, 15 to 25 you see these, like, Dak Prescott dominating. And, Kevin, um, they finally played a top 15 defense last week, and Dak Prescott amounted to 10 points, right? So, or less. I thought it was, what was the final score? Was it 12 to 10 was the final score? Yeah, 12-10. Yeah, 10 points. That's how much the Cowboys put up. Um, Yeah. I am taking the Packers here. Yes, their defense is soft, but Philadelphia's offensive line and Cowboys are they're both they're the two top-ranked offensive lines in the league, but they're different. Phillies is more athletic, more physical, while Dallas is a bigger, burlier kind of they, – they, they like to push the football. And I think Matt LaFleur – as much as he's a young head coach, Philadelphia ran through ran through them. Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders made it look like a college game out there, the way they were running through those holes. You really think the the Packers aren't going to start like bringing Darnell Savage into the box, trying to and Adrian Amos like playing single high, trying to keep Zeke out? I'm like, I think it's going to be a close game. Aaron Rodgers won't have Devontae Adams, but that offense can still move the ball. And as much as I love Dallas's defense from a non-biased perspective, I think they have a shot. The Packers have a shot at winning this game. I think they will win this game. It's going to be a, I think I got them 27-24. I, I think that the Cowboys are going to get exposed because Zedaria Smith is going to get right at, is going to get right at Dak early. He's a good pass rusher. The problem was he had to go against Lane Johnson and that just didn't end well. But I, I don't know. What do you think of this game? Uh, Packers. I think the Cowboys, even though they won by a country mile against the Dolphins, 31-6, they really struggled that first half. I think the Saints are not nearly as good as the Packers. And I think, especially the quarterback position, and I think the Packers defense is still good enough to hold Dak to 10 points. I think the Packers are going to win by a lot. I, I don't think about a lot, but they're going to win the game. Wait, is it at Arlington? I don't. Yeah, it is yeah, at Yeah, it's at Dallas or Arlington, whatever. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. Like, Aaron Rodgers on turf, that's even more deadly than he is at uh, Lambeau. Oh, I was going to say, the Packers are going to win, just not by as much now. Yeah. I just texted our, our, our absent co-host, Savannah, that we're both picking the Packers. They better not screw us here. Um, Browns 49ers, my football. This is a weird game to me. It it, it kind of reminds me of Seattle. I'm a little more confident in like Seattle, uh, LA than I am with this one because 
I don't know what to make of either team, Kevin. You have LA, you have the San Francisco 49ers who basically have been lighting teams up, but they've been playing crap teams. Then you have the Cleveland Browns who got smoked twice that had a cheap one against the Jets with no with basically half the roster on IR and then blew out the my, one of my sleeper AFC picks, the Ravens, who I think are just had a bad day. I, I don't take much stock in that loss with the Ravens, as you're going to see in my picks this week. But, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to take the 49ers here. I just – I need to see them play a physical defense and – I guess the Browns are the closest thing they're going to get this early in the season. So I guess I'm taking the 49ers by 7, 20, no, 31, 24. The Niners can rush the passer, so I think Mayfield's going to be under fire. I think it's going to be the difference. The problem is we just don't know because like they, the Niners haven't played anybody good yet. Uh, Browns 35, 49ers 14. I think really the Browns are, this, are one of those teams that are just going to get better as the season goes on and they get used to each other. If Freddie Kitchens can actually learn how to call a damn play. Uh, I think the 49ers aren't good. I think they've gotten kind of lucky as the season gone on. They faced some not great teams early on. I'm not so on the 49ers. I think they're going to be a mediocre team as the season progresses. Browns. All right. I'll give you that. I, I just, you know what, ha, that's why I said it's a 50-50 shot. Like, I could so see the Browns pulling this out. I could see, like, fourth quarter, Baker Mayfield throws a slant route to OBJ, and that very underwhelming 49er secondary minus Richard Sherman gives up a, misses a tackle, and there's OBJ running down the center of the field as, like, you know, the clock winding down. The game's oh Basically, they're going to have to, like, chuck it up deep to even get a shot. I I don't know. It's such a weird game to me. It, it really comes down to how well the 49ers demon is going to respond to taking on, like, you know, Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett. And if – I don't even know. How, how's the health of the cornerbacks for uh, um, Cleveland? Are Williams and um, Ward playing? Um, they, were, they were both out last week. I think they're both questionable. All right, so that, if they both play, then I'm, I I think Cleveland might have this. But if they if even they're missing one, I'm very high on Greedy Williams. I'm always big off corners that come at LSU. They just they just seem to have a certain chip on their shoulder. They're day to day, day to day. Okay, so we're gonna we're really gonna see. It's gonna be later in the week. We're picking this, of course, on Thursday night. So you'll see it. Of course, the show will be available tomorrow Friday on iTunes. But uh, yeah, so I I I just I think Kyle Shanahan can outsmart Freddie Kitchens. And I think that's the reason they're going to win. If it's going to come down to coaching, I would rather take Kyle Shanahan over Freddie Kitchens all day. So, uh, next up, we have Bucks and Saints as the last game of our six pack. So, Kev, do you think the Bucks keep it up and start assaulting that secondary, or do you think that Marshawn and Lattimore t- locking up uh, uh, Mike Evans in this? Saints team makes it ugly again. I think if Drew Brees were playing, it would be Saints by a lot. But I think with Teddy Bridgewater, they he's not the Saints quarterback of the future. I'm not saying Taysom Hill is either, but and I think this Bucks defense kind of came out of nowhere with being as good as they are, partially because of um, Barrett. I think or is it Barnett? No, I think it's Barrett. Shaquille Barrett. Yeah, Shaquille Barrett. I think he's having a hell of a year. I think this Bucks defense is scary, and I think with subpar quarterback play, they're just gonna feast. This is my upset of the. This is my other upset of the week. Cause I always, you know, I always have tried to have one or two once again this season. I, so sound the alarms or whatever. But basically, I look at the Bucks defense. Todd Bowles, he's an evil genius on defense. He made Jared Goff for three really dumb picks, and Jared Goff is a lot better than Teddy Bridgewater. There's a lot better personnel on the Rams than there is on the Saints. And it is in the Superdome, by the way. That is the one redeeming factor that makes this game close. 
I think the Bucks are going to pull this one out of their butt. It's going to be so close. Like, I'm talking like 21-17. Jameis chucks up a last minute. Like, you know, it's going to be like a late drive by Jameis. But uh, I just – it's it's hard for me to pick the Saints with Bridgewater on their center. I'm a huge – proponent of three things a solid pass rush good offensive line and a solid quarterback and the saints only have one of those their pass rush is okay and it's only because of ken jordan so i i guess i gotta take the bucks here i i it's like so close what do you got i, I just told you the bucks i know my brain's fried i'm sorry it's been a long day but that racks up our six pack uh, finally, Kev, got some weird stuff in sports for us? Oh, do I ever. College football is back in video game form, people. Oh, September 27th, Doug Flew's Maximum Football released. And let me tell you, it's something. If you take NCAA, fo- NCAA 14 and kind of add the depth with recruiting and stuff in the dynasty mode... That wouldn't be an unfair comparison. The coaching upgrades aren't really at that point. But if you go back to NCAA football 04, you'll have the gameplay. It's a fun game to kind of sit down and play, but in about half an hour, you will be very agitated with the controls. And it's just kind of weird that Doug Flutie's name is attached to it. You can play Canadian football rules too if you want. It's an interesting game. It's 30 bucks if you – I haven't really played it a lot because I can't because I'm busy, and also I can only play for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But that will be my review. It's something. Could it get better, though? That's the question. It I, could I, get better. It is a team of three developers, only one of them full-time, but they're pumping out. They already have released an update, or they're already working on releasing an update. They think the PlayStation update's coming out tonight or tomorrow – and they're hoping with the Xbox review system taking a little longer, they're hoping the Xbox One comes out Monday. And I think that's that's kind of a reason to buy it. It seems like the How developers are what? How much does it run for? Thirty bucks. I, I I mean I would give it a shot, ladies and gents. I, I don't know about you. Kevin of course bought it already. He gave me half of this review when we had a few beers in the system. What like like five days ago? Yeah, something like that, like Saturday. <clears throat> yeah. And it's I think. The fact that developers seem so committed to it and kind of are willing, they're listening to people. They, Some people are having issues with the customization mode, and they set up like a forum kind of saying like, hey, what issues are you having? Put them in here, and we'll work on them. And I think the kind of support that we're seeing from this game gives it a big step up on a AAA game, like if EA made a new NCAA game or even EA with Madden. There's these issues coming out that people will complain about, and you don't really see it fixed. EA will go, Oh, here's this other stupid issue that no one's had a problem with that we fixed. Oh, there's a problem with it. Like in Madden, there's a ton of face masks. But hey, listen, your superstar has lines now. <clears throat> yeah, it's just ridiculous. And I think, I think, I don't know if Doug Flutie's maximum football this year will be. It's, I don't know how far they can take it, but I'm hoping enough people buy it that they can keep working on it. And I think in two, three years, we might be able to see something kind of rival. EA for that college football market and kind of take maybe to even take some people away from Madden who just wanted a college football game, but since they couldn't get it, they got Madden instead. I mean, I'll probably buy it if I get a big tip tomorrow. I'll be fr- I'll, I won't front you. I'll probably buy it just because, you know, it's football dynasty mode. I'll take it. So thanks, Kev. Um, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick that through jazz. By the way, uh, Look out for uh, Corner Booth merchandise, by the way. Uh, it'll have Kick That Smooth Jazz in the back of it and possibly other lines of our co-hosts. Um, this time, ladies and gents, I'm sticking with football again because there is an NFL owner who is not only prohibiting a team from getting the player they need to be a Super Bowl favorite, there is also a Super Bowl owner, I mean a owner of a team that is basically inhibiting a player to play. Now, Jalen Ramsey, as you all know, is the best cornerback in football by a mile. Lockdown on 
man coverage, can play zone with the best of them, and basically is a he is just something else. And as much as I hate admitting about admitting that about a Florida State player, I will because Jalen Ramsey basically is the best cornerback we've seen in a very long time. Maybe going back as far as champ baby. This kid is ridiculous. So Jalen Ramsey uh, a couple weeks ago said that he wanted to be released by the he wanted to be traded by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And being a Philadelphia Eagles fan, having the great the best GM in football as our GM, and knowing that we needed a corner because Ronald Darby needs help. I was like, you know what? Fine, I'm up for it. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's get uh, let's get Ramsey. I'll, I'll give up a first and a couple other picks. We're fine. We'll find a way to get back in the first round. We always do. And Shad Khan steps in, the owner of the Jaguars. Now, basically, this man he's he's kept this team in Jacksonville for a while. He's not a bad owner, but I'm starting to realize that maybe this owner's in denial. He said the best way to the best place for Jalen to be right now is with the Jaguars. I will actually read you guys the actual quote because this made me irk a little bit this morning. I was almost a little bit upset when I saw this, being a team that where where the uh, where uh, Ramsey was rumored to go. I was a little upset about it, but at the same time, I understand what uh, Khan is saying. I look at everything that they've really described about Ramsey and I'm going to pull up the quote right now we're still looking at what is the right thing for the Jaguars I think the right uh, right now the best thing is to have him imposter Jalen to be part of the team I'm gonna I'm gonna spill a little um spill knowledge for you tonight boys and girls um the Jaguars are going to be a 9-7 team that's going to win the worst division of football. They're going to get smoked in the first round, regardless of whoever plays for Minshew or my boy Nikki, Nick Foles. And at the end of the day, all you're doing is hurting your chemistry in your locker room, Mr. Cobb. Let Jalen walk. Let him go to Philadelphia. Let him go win his chip. Or make a shot for it. Get him out of your locker room. Don't let him disrupt him. Because as much as I understand that they're all professionals, there's nothing that pisses off a player more than being stuck in a situation they don't want to be in. Because it's general human logic and nature to get disgruntled and angry if you're in a place you don't want to work at. And if Jalen Ramsey doesn't want to be in Jacksonville anymore, don't make the situation worse. The Jaguars have good have a good team. They have a great all-pro running back, a possible all-pro running back. They have quarterback promise with either Foles or Minshew. They have good young receivers. They have a good defense even without Ramsey. They can go. You can always corners are good. You okay? AJ Boye is a solid corner. You can get another one in the draft. There's another one coming out of Florida that you could easily go scoop up, trade up for. Use the Philadelphia pick. Use that in yours to get up in the top five. All right. Enough of this. Let the kid go. Let him walk to Philly, or even if he's got to go to KC or wherever. Let the guy get his chip. He's not getting it with you guys. He's not going to get it if you guys, you know, play 9-7 and seven football, squeak in the playoffs, and then maybe even win a wild card game and get absolutely stomped by New England or Kansas City. I am, perpo- I am a proponent for freeing Jalen Ramsey, and I'm Jerry Clement. I approve this message. Kev? Yeah, I agree. It's, I it's, also approve this message. Yeah, my my co-host approved this message. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, that's all I have to say too. Um, folks, so a couple quick news updates before we let uh, both of us go. Uh, first off, me and uh, football department head of the, the Belly Sports, Tom, me and him are actually going to start up our own football podcast for Belly, exclusively football. It's me and Tom's Hawk, and we're going to bring guys like Kevin, Savannah. Probably a couple writers, maybe uh, I don't know, Nick, our uh, co-founder Brandon. We're gonna talk a lot of sports. We're gonna a lot of football. Not a lot of sports, a lot of football. It's only football. It's gonna be you know me geeking out, talking everything, strategy to film study. So what you get here? Imagine I ratchet up three notches when I go full nerd and start talking about cover three versus man, man single high. It's gonna be great stuff. We're going to start this in about a few weeks. Me and Tom are working on the kinks right now. But, of course, right now, Belly Up is, uh, Corner Booth is officially the 
official football podcast of Belly Up, even though we cover everything else. Uh, be sure to check out Belly Up Football on Twitter and, of course, Corner Booth as, at Corner Booth Pod. Uh, that's about it right now. Savannah will be back next week. Uh, we are looking at a great show lineup. And, by the way, check out our picks article, which will be out this weekend, as Kevin will take care of that. And that's all I got. So, ladies and gents, thank you so much for joining us today as we are back to normal schedule here on the Corner Booth. I'm your host, Jared Clem. That's my sidekick, Kevin Langley, and we out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.